Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Willby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area, and today with me, as always... I'm Hai Chen Bui, a pop culture journalist in D.C. And I am Anya Crittenton, associate editor at The Tracking Board. So this week, we are talking about the biggest night in Hollywood, which turned out to be one of the most controversial and shocking nights as well. We are talking about the Oscars. So, what are some of your general reactions to the Oscars? Maybe about uh, Jimmy Kimmel as a host and some of the things that happened that night. So, I thought it was a an okay show up until probably like the last moment. Um, it, it was a very Jimmy Kimmel type of um, show, I guess you would say. He he did a lot of gimmicks in which he brought in like that tour bus of tourists and that resulted in a couple memes which were fun but it was also like a, a level of cringeworthy kind of out of touchness uh, like elitism that you see a lot with Kimmel and that is associated a lot with Hollywood and the Oscars as well so it was like hit or miss um there's like a couple of cringy racial moments as well where Jimmy Kimmel kept mispronouncing like Mahershala Ali's name and making fun of it or making fun of that um, tourist um, who's Asian American and had a sort of strange name Yolri and he was it was a little bit out of touch as well as like racially insensitive and like that was the only it was way better at least than like Chris Rock's um, uh, Asian joke last year so I guess it's a step up but still it's like <laughs> the, bow is, the bar is pretty low yeah the bar is low but um yeah I, I enjoyed it like pretty okay up until like the last moment where, in which I think unfortunately and fortunately kind of made the show yeah I have to admit and I know I'm probably in the minority on this one but I still love the Jimmy Kimmel Matt Damon thing <laughs> Like, I, I realize that's just, like, tired. the. I think it's the basis for humor, but I still laugh about it. The We Bought a Zoo thing cracked me up. <laughs> I actually really like the We Bought a Zoo part. But I th- also because that's a lovely film. Like, I love that film. Never seen it, but it just seems it's ridiculous. very charming. What, We Bought a Zoo? It, I've never seen it, but it looks ridiculous. Oh, it's a really charming film. Yeah, like, it's I actually like a really it. genuinely lovely film. I, I mean, to me, it honestly looks like a parody movie of those type of movies. Especially really the not. phrase, we bought a zoo? Like, I don't know. <laughs> to me, it just seems kind of ridiculous. Well, it's very cute. I'm actually on your side, Anya. I am a fan of the Kimmel-Matt Damon feud just because, like, I know it's tired. It's just still kind of charming and, and ridiculous to me. It's, like, a, a little on the absurd side that they keep bringing it up. But it was a fun, just, like, gimmick that he had that was going throughout the show. And it kind of did it's wrap in... It's reliable, too. Yeah, it's reliable. And, like, it did wrap in, like, that whole time-wasting little montage whenever they had the people presenting together and they'd be like, oh, I really respect this person's movies. I'm like, why are we wasting time on, like, more clip shows? Um, and then, like, they brought in the joke with We Bought a Zoo and Kimmel and, da- and Matt Damon. But um, I-, I didn't... I mean, otherwise, I would have wished that they cut out that part. But, uh, the, see, the, see, the thing is, I don't think that was a lead-up to a joke. I think that was what they wanted to do. Um, and then they... And Jimmy Kimmel did his own version of that, which was a, a farce of it. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And I actually kind of liked that, but I also just like hearing people talk about their favorite movies. Like, I always get really, like, warm, fuzzy feelings when people talk about, like, the movies that inspired them and the the performances that have stuck with them over the years. Like, I just find it really kind of lovely, but I am a sap for that. We did get to see, like, Michael J. Fox and Shirley MacLaine, like, (laughs) on stage talking about their careers and, and, like, with the people who who they inspired. That was pretty cool. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, I thought it was fine, but it really, the show ran long because of it, so I felt like they could have cut it out, and it was interesting that this year they did a, a lot of, about, like, a retrospective in terms of, like, appreciation of film. I noticed that. I'm not really sure why particularly it was this year, but, um, I mean, I I appreciated it, but at the same time, I was just like, just get on with it. I'm tired. I like, see, that's how I felt about the Taurus thing. The Taurus mm-hmm. thing, I wanted them to just cut completely and just yeah, not have the tourist thing was really awkward. i didn't like that yeah but it was like a classic kimmel thing too which i understood why he did it and like they need a yeah. gimmick they do a gimmick like that every year which is ridiculous because ever since the ellen De- degeneres selfie they've been trying to one-up that um and plus since ellen they've started doing food bits mm-hmm. yeah every like, year 
um, we gotta feed our our like audience of famous people. <laughs> like it's it was cute when Ellen did it, and then it was like. I mean, who did it last year? Was it Chris Rock? Who he brought in Girl Scout cookies? Yeah, um, then, something like that. I just feel like none of them beat Ellen in the pizza because, like, yeah, it would it was kind of like unprecedented. And very Ellen spontaneous. Just, she made like a joke about ordering pizza, and yeah. you weren't sure if it was actually going to happen. And then next thing we knew, like, there were pizzas coming in, and like you see, like Brad Pitt lean over and like grab a slice of pizza, it and it's great. like, yeah, it was more it was spontaneous. Kind of like, yeah. yeah, it's like very, it's like novel, and then. Mm. Now it's a little tired. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I I just hope they don't do it next year. Yeah. Because I feel like they didn't get the strongest reaction it did. And can we talk about how they, like, floated it down, like, the end of Mockingjay Part 2? Oh, yeah. That was awful. (laughs) Like, no one here apparently saw that movie, which, you know, probably no one did, but. (laughs) Yeah. But what did you guys think of the show? I I mean, I, I thought it was. I just wanted to say I thought we were pretty. Or I guess we're pretty mixed on uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Mm. Yeah, I. He's okay. I think mm-hmm. some of his bits work better than his other bits. Like I said, like the Taurus thing, I did not like the Matt Damon thing. I like. He's kind of he was okay. Yeah, that's yeah. that's my general reaction too. Actually, you know who I wanted to host after seeing them present an award on stage: John Cho and Leslie Mann. Who was it? There was there was also someone who presented that everyone wanted to host. It was John Cho, I think. Was it The Rock? I feel like there was someone else. I feel like it was a woman that came out and everyone. Oh, Kate McKinnon. Ooh, I love it. Uh, yeah, yeah, everyone. Kate, Kate McKinnon came out with Jason Bateman, I think, mm. and they wanted her to host. But that happens every year. Uh, like, yeah, I feel like every year we get a thing where people are like, they should host, and then they never do. Mm-hmm. And then it's also like. They shouldn't host because you're just going to hate them afterwards. Like, yeah, hosting the like... Oscars is the most thankless job. It is And thankless. no one ever really succeeds at it except for maybe Hugh Jackman. And, like, I just, I'm like, don't have your faves host the Oscars. You're not going to like it. It's like what happened when James Franco and Anne Hathaway hosted, and it was the worst show possibly. You mean when Anne Hathaway hosted? <laughs> yeah. I felt so bad for Anne Hathaway. I feel like that's where the Hatha hate started just because she was trying so hard because James Franco did shit. He was just standing there. What did, what did you say? Hatha hate? Yeah, the Hatha hate. It's Is a, that a thing? Yeah. Oh, do you guys oh know my god, about, like, there, are, there are so many thing pieces about the, the, how much people hate Anne Hathaway. I mean, I, I know that people are divided on her, but I just haven't heard that phrase before. I feel like... I've heard is that it a phrase you made up, HT, or is that an actual No, phrase? own it, HT. Own it. Own how clever you are. I'm... Okay, I made it up. Okay. I'm coining it right now. Half a hate. Um, it's a... I guess it's a phenomenon in which people hate Anne Hathaway for no reason other than her trying really hard, essentially. They're like... Yeah, although, disclaimer, the Millennial Falcon does not support half a hate. I do not. I love Anne Hathaway, and I think she's a fine actress, and I don't understand the unwarranted hatred she gets just for, you know, doing her job and maybe being more enthusiastic about it than others. But people see her as kind of like that snooty theater kid who always gets A-pluses and, like, thinks she's above everyone else. But I just, like, that's such a silly reason to hate someone when there are, you know, literal sexual assaulters who are getting rewarded for their acting, so... And, you know, anti-Semites. Mm-hmm. Anti-Semites. And, you know, wonderful white men like that. Mm-hmm. So Delightful. Half the hate is yep. ridiculous, especially in this age. Yeah, we don't have to hate, agree. we have to love. <laughs> <laughs> Send the half a hate yeah. half away. Oh my gosh. Alright, I'm done, guys. This is like half-aception. <laughs> Like... All right, let's move on from these Anne Hathaway puns. This is just too. half a stellar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anne Hathaway didn't even show up. We are just talking about her for like a good five minutes. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> this is your free promo for Anne Hathaway. See yeah. her in her next film. Ocean's 8? Colossal. Oh, Colossal. I Colossal, that. right. I was mm-hmm. going to say Ocean's 8 too, but I forgot Colossal is the thing that's coming out soon. Mm-hmm. Yes. Anyways, back to the Oscars <laughs> show. <laughs> Tangent aside. So, were there any um, wins or snubs that you guys were really upset about or that you guys were exceptionally happy about? Should oh. we just jump straight into Best Picture? Yeah. Because Why don't we talk about that? I feel like that's Moonlight the Moonlight won, the and I'm so happy. I am overjoyed that Moonlight won. 
even though I, I'm upset that like the way that it won takes away from you know its legacy, which a lot I'm plenty of Completely big pieces agree. have been written about it, um, so I don't have to say it anymore. But yeah, it's it's a great film that stands on its own and doesn't need to share a variety cover with La La Land. Yeah, I I actually cried when they announced that it was Moonlight. Who was the real winner? I like actually started crying. I was so happy. Um, but if anyone is interested, you should you guys check out Ira Madison the Third's like tweet thread about mm-hmm. this and how Moonlight is now sharing the stage with basically White Grace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was that whole like slate piece about how I think Jordan Horowitz, the La Land producer, how he's like the hero we need for what doing the right thing. He just did his. He did his like. He did what he was supposed to do. Yeah, it's like I. It's very strange that like they're giving him. I mean, like it was it was good that he stepped up and like and stopped it before they finished doing all their speeches. But like, I think it's weird that we assume that the La La Land crew and cast would have not given up the award. Like, I feel like that's what the assumption is here. They're just like, wow, they're so graceful to give them the award that they deserve and that they earn rightfully in the first place. Like. I don't get that. Like it's, yeah, it's kind of like when you when you when you realize that baseball teams aren't really in rivalries. Mm-hmm. Like all the base all baseball players like each other. It's the fans who divide them up. So like the Moonlight team and a lot of the team, like those cast and crew, they like each other a lot. They're like so happy for each other's wins. So the fact that we were like that that the audience is like dividing up La La Land and Moonlight as like these separate, like, you know, you can't like one or the other, you can, um, is ridiculous, because you can like both, and it was very, it was the right thing to do for them to be like, and no matter, if if they had handed the card, like, later or earlier, I feel like they still would have been like, Moonlight, you won, come up here, please give your acceptance speeches. Mm. It just, I mean, it just so happened, it went down the way it did, which is a, which is now being, like, divided on, like, I don't know. It just seems like I they all did the right thing to do because of how t- how the timing of it worked out. Like mm-hmm. they started giving their speeches because the uh, stage managers behind the scenes didn't realize until like they said the wrong name that uh, things were going down. And but you know it was probably easier for the cast of La La Land to come up than the stage managers to just look at the card and be like, oh my god, Moonlight actually won, mm-hmm. and bring, get them on stage and tell the people who weren't speaking what was up. So, it just seemed like there was a lot going on. I think Jordan Horowitz did what he had to do, what he needed to do, what was right to do, and Moonlight won Best Picture. So is it bad that I'm kind of obsessed with reading the timeline of events that happened? Like, every time there's an article that's, like, exclusive, PwC accountant was tweeting on his phone five minutes before the bungle happened. And I was, I, I well, know. Well, it's kind of like, like, it's like, it's a scandal. It's a, it's, a scandal. Uh, it's a conspiracy. Like, what's happened? Like, why did this happen? How did yeah, this happen? it's never happened in the history of the Oscars. Although, but the way... No, it happened that, with Sammy Davis Jr., right? Yes, it happened, but, like, it didn't happen so much like that the wrong people went up and gave the, the speech, their speeches. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, it's it's funny it hasn't happened before because of the way that they deliver the um, the ballots. They have, like, two identical briefcases with uh, two of the same cards, and, like, the accountants are the only ones who know what happens in it. Um, but, yeah, it's like, I kind of, I know this, I, ha- I made a comment about how I hated how Moonlight won and, like, got, like, this bungled um, reward, but um, I do love the reactions that happened when the switch occurred cuz uh, it's just it's so great seeing everyone who seeing all like these actors just like in shock um have you guys seen that photo um it's like infamous it's just like the crowd shot of the reaction after moonlight was announced to have won so there's like Meryl Streep looking like sh- so shocked like you know like the streaker just ran across the stage again or something right Dwayne Johnson with his eyebrow just like cocked all the way up um Matt Damon looking shocked. Ben Affleck looking for his bestie, Matt Damon. So they can look yeah, he was trying to see what Matt Damon's reaction <laughs> yeah, was. Which I thought was really cute. And I kind of felt bad for Ben Affleck again. And um, just like everyone in shock. It was, it was a great picture. And I'm thinking about making my cover photo again on Twitter. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, Moonlight deserves all the awards that it gets. And like, 
I think that moment, despite its unfortunate circumstance, will go down in Oscars history. And oh, totally. Yeah. And there's probably they're probably also going to do. I mean, the, the the those accountants have been fired. Mm-hmm. Um, They've I'm been guessing... fired from the Oscars, not their jobs. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, because one mean, of them is not... like a CEO or something. Um. But, like, I think they're also probably going to implement new rules, as in no cell phones. <laughs> um, because if it was, I, I mean, guessing the guy got distracted tweeting about Emma Stone and then gave him the wrong card, if he didn't have his phone, this would not have happened, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I mean, props to Warren Beatty for realizing, like, right away what was going on. But, he, but then he but threw he Faye still... under the bus. Yeah, that was... Oh, what, what, what I... I've watched it several times. It looks like he's looking at her to be like, "Don't read it yet, but please look at this." And this is this is the best actress card. I mean, she, he didn't say that, yeah. But you could see that that's what he was like trying yeah, her he was for her to do, yeah. And she just she probably saw La La Land and then just said La La Land, thinking mm-hmm. it was a bit, um, you know, like, oh, we're gonna waste time, you know, mm-hmm. we're gonna be like drum roll, please. And she kind of she just read the card, um. I mean... Which, they need a typography lesson, apparently, because the font was all yeah. in the same size, and... Yeah, and it didn't even read... I mean, if if the card from Best Picture with Moonlight winning looks like the Emma Stone one, in the case that it will say Emma Stone first, mm-hmm. it should have been obvious that it was the, the Best Actress card. Yeah, but then, like, but, oh, yeah, I saw the card. It's, like, the Best Actress little logo is at the bottom, the big yeah. Oscars logo is at the top, and then the Best Actress and La La Land were, like, the same size. And, and on um, the picture, it says, on, on the front, on the envelope, it actually has Best Actress in a, um, Best, or, yeah, Best Actress in a, in a lead motion picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Um. So, but in, like, really thin gold yeah. lettering, so... I don't know. There's there maybe I think they're gonna just they're probably gonna you know uh, do some tweaking to their envelopes hopefully mm-hmm. or at least to the process or however they get their envelopes out to the presenters. Probably there's probably gonna be a double checking system. Yeah, Anya, you look like you have thoughts. I don't actually because <laughs> I hit a wall with this a few days ago. Oh really? I'm already over this. We're done. <laughs> like you said, I was obsessed with reading every single article about this mm-hmm. for the first few days after the Oscars, and then I was like at a point where I was like, "All right, I know what happened," <laughs> and I like I just... was over it. I want to talk about Barry Jenkins and the fact that Moonlight is such a beautiful, poignant, perfect film about a black narrative that does not have to do with civil rights, that does not have to do with slavery. That also has to do with the queer identity, and I just think that's so important, and I am just really excited about that. It's a transformative film, and it's amazing that a film like that, which has so many things going for it and has so many beautiful things to say about all of those um, issues, like you said, Anya, um, won in this day and age, I'd say, like in the Trump era, and I like... I. I do think, I, I don't want to say, like, it won just because it's making a statement as, like, a fuck, a fuck you to Trump, but um, I do think that, like, it deserves, like I said, all the accolades um, it has. And I'm so happy, it, like, it won Best Picture. And it basically, like, kind of, like, you know, we we also love La La Land, and um, we're not a huge detractor against it. So, like, Damien Chazelle did win Best Director, while um, Moonlight won Best Picture. And I think that was, like, a good way of awarding both very deserving films. Yeah, although I had said this previously, if La La Land was going to win Best Picture, I would have liked Barry Jenkins to have gotten Best Director. Yeah. Because while I'm split on who who won best director. I feel like both, like you said, HC, both films are deserving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love Barry Jenkins' directing in, and writing in Moonlight. Mm-hmm. And I also thought Damien Chazelle did a really good job of directing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it takes a lot to direct musical numbers. And I feel like he did a great job with that, especially the opening number, which was all one shot. Um, it was actually, and, Damien Chazelle revealed it was three <gasps> cut to but, three cut together. But I mean, uh, <gasps> Alfonso Cuarón does that. Alfonso Cuarón did did that with the Children of Men for a lot of oh. long take shots. So, but he made it look seamless. I mean, to me, yes, it does yeah. look absolutely seamless. Yeah, um, and I think was it um, La La Land got best in cinematography as well. Cinematography, La La Land. Yeah, so La La Land won best cinematography. 
Um, what other awards did it win? Because um, it won actress, seven, I think. Best right? actress, it won yeah. actress, director, score, song, and it also won uh, production design. Pra- production design. So I think um, it deserved all of those awards except for perhaps best song, which Moana definitely should have won. Where how far I'll go is just a gorgeous song. Um, composed and written by Lin-Manuel Miranda and performed beautifully by um, Ali Cravalho. Yes. 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 Did you see there was a moment of her on the red carpet where someone called out Moana to her and mm-hmm. she was like, that's not my name. I loved it. Yeah. She's amazing. Which this happens, it feels like this happens every year and I'm really, why do these journalists think that they can still not... Yeah pronounce these people's names correctly literally your job like do your research do your homework learn people's yeah. names yeah it's very frustrating it's like what happened with Quvengine Quvengine Wallace yeah. mm-hmm. Saoirse Ronan mm-hmm. Mahershal Ali mm-hmm. it's yeah it's pretty frustrating Mahershal um, but isn't she, her, that, dif- that difficult because it's really it's not written as it's pronounced it's not if you if you if you just take a moment to like look at the syllables in his mm-hmm. name it, yeah it's got a lot of syllables got a lot of letters but it's pronounceable. Yeah. And I think people, like, they got tripped up on, like, the stressing. Because I know some people would say, like, Mahershala mm-hmm. at first. But then, like, you get you get corrected, Mahershala, and then, like, go forward and yeah. say yeah. it correctly. Um, but, I mean, Ali's performance was so beautiful at mm-hmm. the Oscars. And I hope all the Oscar voters, Oscar voters watched that mm-hmm. and then said, damn... I should have voted for Moana for best song because John Legend had to perform the um, the La La Land songs that were nominated because Ryan Gosling is not the greatest singer, um, and you know the song that did that did win for La La Land City of Stars is probably the weakest song on that soundtrack. Like if Audition had won, then like it would have made sense. Uh, yeah, it would have made sense because, like, it's an emotionally rooted song. It has to do with, like, the climax of the film emotionally and, like, the characters as well. Whereas City of Stars is just kind of, like, hedged in there. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't really get why when both of them were nominated and La, La Land was going to win, why Audition didn't win. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If that if like, any song from La, La Land was going to win, it should, that should have been that. Or, yeah. Or, um, we didn't start... Not, not the fire. Um, the John Legend song. <laughs> no, we didn't start the fire. Was it? Um... Um, I actually think Another Day of Sun oh, that's should have been too. nominated. I mean, they're all better than City of Stars. That's the moral of the story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's ironic considering that was the song that they marketed the movie with. Yeah, and it was like the theme of the song as well, of the movie as well, but like, yeah. it played throughout. But... but if you think about it, when John Legend performed those songs, they were very much better songs than when I, when I that I remember when I watched the movie. Yeah. I think it's because... I actually like Audition. I like Audition, I mean, I do, too. Like, Audition's great. Um, I just think that when John Legend, Legend was performing, he did a better job of, than Ryan Gosling. Yeah, because he's a performer, not... Before, he's an actor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. More so than Ryan Gosling. So, we're bummed that Moana didn't win and Lin-Manuel did not get to EGOT. He'll uh, he'll get there eventually, though. Of he's course, he's young. got. I mean, he's thirty-seven. He's yeah. got plenty of time to eat. Got mm-hmm. twice over. And Disney has um, smashed him up, so I'm sure he'll be he'll be doing many more soundtracks for them. Oh yeah, he'll be like the new Alan Menken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's amazing. <laughs> um, another one I was a little bit bummed about was the fact that Hacksaw got. More not more um more wins than I thought it would. I think it got. I think it won two. Editing and sound mixing. It won two. Yeah. yeah. So it I won think... sound mixing and editing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't. I kind of expected Hacksaw to be shut out completely, but it won those two. I mean, there were technical awards, but still, uh, yeah, I was I was a little upset about Hacksaw and Mel Gibson being included at all. So that's just like yeah. my my issue with it. Um, although, if anything, Hacksaw should have won. I would have preferred Andrew Garfield to win over Casey Affleck in Manchester by the Sea. So. Yes. Although <laughs> yeah, I would have very... preferred either Viggo Mortensen or Denzel Washington. Ooh. I would have preferred Joel Edgerton, who gave the best leading male performance of 2016. I'm not going to get over this one. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's my biggest snub of the year, is that Joel Edgerton didn't get nominated because he gave the best performance last year of any leading male. 
I mean, if we're talking about biggest snubs, I definitely think Amy Adams should have at least been nominated for a rival. Amy Adams was snubbed. That's again endearing meme of 2017. I feel like she is the new Leonardo DiCaprio. She is in terms of no Oscar wins yet. I just hope when she does win her Oscar, it'll be for an actual worthy performance and not getting attacked by a computer-generated bear. Yes. Oh, I'm glad this year's Oscars weren't last year's Oscars. Oh, yeah. I will say, though, like, though we complain a little bit about what were snubbed or what were award, what movies were awarded, um, this year was one of the strongest slates um, we've seen in terms of, like, deserving movies. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed most of the movies this year. I, I only got through six out of nine of the best pictures, but I liked Wait, all of them. Mm-hmm. I think I only saw five of nine. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see Hacksaw Ridge, I didn't see Manchester by the Sea, I didn't see Fences, and I didn't see Lion. The first three of yours were the ones I missed. Lion was surprisingly good. I've heard Lion's good, I want to see it. I also have no interest in ever seeing Hacksaw or Manchester. That's the same thing. So, I feel like I got most of them out of seven, is what I will say. I'm not going to include the other two. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Although Moana or Zootopia should have gotten a Best Picture nomination. Yes. Completely agreed. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad Zootopia won Best Animated yeah. Feature. Oh, me too. I mean, I'm I love Moana, but I liked Zootopia more. Um, not that, not, I'm not, this is not saying Moana's a bad movie. I'm just saying I liked Zootopia more than I liked Moana. Yes. I agree. I like, I think Zootopia is a great film and deserved its um, Best Animated Feature win. Although, I think, I don't know if I brought this up on the podcast yet. I'm a... I believe that Moana was a more genuine and heartwarming film, and I like Zootopia and the messages it had, but it felt, like, overbearingly witty at some points. But that's just, like, a problem with animation in general these days. Um, but yeah, Moana it was my love, but I'm happy that Zootopia won. Mm-hmm. I would have been happy with any... I mean, I'm always happy that an animated film wins an Oscar at all. <laughs> Even though it has its own category now, thanks to... But that's what I mean, that it's, an animated film is always going to win an Oscar. It mm-hmm. just sucks that they're all relegated to that category alone, basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I think it was mostly a good year. I'm excited Colleen Atwood won for costume for Fantastic Beasts because she is phenomenal as a costume designer. Mm-hmm. Now we're getting into the technical stuff. Technical awards are fun, um, except for, you know, the fact that Suicide Squad won um, Best Makeup, and so it has one more Oscar than The Handmaiden, than all of South Korean cinema, uh, has, I think, the equal amount of Oscars that Arrival has. That is... It has one more Oscar than Amy Adams. And it should have been Star Trek Beyond. Oh, yeah, it should have been. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I just can't believe that a movie that has demented... Like tattooed on the Joker's forehead. Would no, it doesn't say demented. It says damaged. Damaged. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I got That's that. That's like wrong. somehow worse. <laughs> I yeah, that movie didn't deserve anything. Yeah, is... I, mean, I mean, Killer Croc apparently was a practical effect, which was cool, but mm-hmm. it wasn't deserving of the entire Oscar. No. no. And Star Trek Beyond, every alien was a practical alien. Yeah, it was amazing. So, yeah. any other awards you guys want to talk about? I'm very happy that Jungle Book won visual effects. Ooh, yeah, I'm very happy because that it's, movie is phenomenal. It's breathtaking. That, that win vindicated Disney's uh, attempt at a Lion King movie, uh, a live action, quote unquote, live action Lion King movie. Because if I think if Jungle Book's effects didn't work out, they probably well, we had already seen them work out. They didn't need to win the Oscar to prove that. True, but it, it kind of gave it kind of looks like they gave them you know like the vindication they need to be like, okay, we can do this again. Speaking of vindication for the future, I want to talk a little bit about a little studio called A24. Yes, I was just going to bring that up, too. Yeah, they had a really big year, Um, the first being that Moonlight, their uh, landmark movie, won Best Picture and was a phenomenon phenomenon, um, during the awards circuit. But they also had a lot of great indie films that were nominated for other awards as well. The Lobster was nominated for um, Best Original Screenplay. A great film. Um, what else? I think that was the only one, actually. Yes, that but we should nominated. say that, Moon, that Moonlight, Moonlight was their first fully financed feature film. They mm-hmm. had obviously bought a lot of movies in the past for distribution rights, uh-huh. but this is the first one that they fully financed, they fully produced mm-hmm. um, with Barry Jenkins. Yeah. 
for one point, what was it, one point five million dollars? Wow. Um, it was for fifteen million. Oh. No, no, no. How much? Oh how much wait. Their budget was not how much. Oh, they that made. was box office. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at it now. It budget wise was. I believe their 1. budget 5. was yeah. Oh, wow. So it's there. It's also the adjusted for inflation, the cheapest best picture ever. That's um, amazing. Yeah. Oh, cheaper than the Hurt Locker because I no wait the Hurt Locker was the one that made less. Has... It made less in terms of like the boss, the best picture. Yeah, sorry, but this is this is how much they spent on making the movie, mm. which was 1.5 million, which is very low for a movie. Yeah, um, yeah, and we, we've we seen... usually the, the the phrase mid mid level budget movies are like 40 million dollars. Mm-hmm. So like that's what Creed was. Like that's cr- like, and then like you get blockbusters that are like 170 million dollars to 200. So the fact that this made this movie was like one two hundredth of like the Avengers budget. And it won Best Picture is incredible, honestly. It is. Yeah. And A24 has a really good, like, track record. Like, last year they had Room and Ex Machina, mm-hmm. or the year before. And then last year, beyond the Oscar-nominated ones, they also had The Witch. Ugh. They had Green Room. They had Swiss Army Man. They had American Honey, 20th Century Women. All these films that earned really rave reviews. And, you know, smaller, but still very impressive and prestigious films. Yeah, 2016 was A24's year. I think, like, most of my favorite movies came from their studio last year. Just, like, The Witch was amazing. I don't usually watch horror, but, like, that really blew me away. Um, I really loved The Lobster. I love Swiss Army Man. I mean, they're a company that don't, that's only entering their fifth year of being a company. Mm-hmm. Um, their first big hit, I mean, quote-unquote big hit, was Spring Breakers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then followed, followed that by The Bling Ring, um, Sofia Coppola's movie. And since then, they've just gone on to make some of the greatest independent movies of each year. Um, and I'm so, I'm so they're like they're new the new Miramax. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that they don't um, go the way of Miramax, which is like becoming like this weird shadow of its former self. Um, yeah. And you know Harvey we- Harvey Weinstein became like the like the biggest independent financer. And he like you know would spend all this money on marketing for Oscar movies, and mm. that's how he would he would get movies to win, um, which is how you do Oscar campaigns, which is just showing it everywhere and doing Q and Q and A's and advertising for your considerations and stuff. So mm. I feel like A twenty four is a more humble company than Miramax ended up being, um, and so I'm very happy with the films that they've made. Some of the some of my favorite films for the past four years have been from A twenty four. I didn't even realize it until like I went back and looked, looked, and they who were they they were distributed by. So it, it's pretty cool to see like a hip young independent, you know, production company or you know distribution company like make movies and distribute them. And um, I'm privileged enough to be near a theater that shows um, A24 films. Like they don't get wide releases. Mm-hmm. Um, Amazon Prime has a deal with them, or at least, I mean, A24 has a deal with Amazon Prime that their movies go up onto Amazon Prime after a certain amount of time have been after being released on DVD. So, by the way, if you ever want to watch A24 movies, go to Amazon Prime if you have an account. Mm. They're all there. At least most of them are. Um, I know Spring Breakers is. I know The Witches. I know um, uh, there was one more. Uh, Swiss Army Man. Um, I'm sure Moonlight will be there anytime soon. Um, although Moonlight is on Blu-ray and DVD, highly recommend that. And back in theaters. And back in theaters for 1,500 theaters, which is their largest release yet. That's amazing. So. And I think um, A24 is going to keep having some good times. Mm-hmm. I think um, just to like give a shout out to movies that are coming out this year by A24. I think one of the movies I'm most excited for is Free Fire. Ooh, yes, I am that? so excited. Oh my gosh, Free Fire looks so good. Um, it's basically a comedy, it's like an absurdist comedy, it's basically this gang of criminals meet up in a warehouse, uh, for an arms deal, and a disagreement turns into this just really comedic, like, full-on shootout. A free fire, one would say. Yeah, and it stars, uh, it stars Brie Larson, Charlotte Copley, Army Hammer, Killian Murphy, Sam Riley, um, 
One of we, need our, to talk, we need to talk about Army Hammer's beard in that movie because it's ridiculous. It looks really great. Our reviewer um, saw it at I think Toronto and he really liked it. The trailer is hilarious. I, I am so excited. You watch the trailer; it's so funny. Part of me, when I first saw the trailer, I didn't really appreciate it because I was like, "How are they going to make this like a whole movie?" Because it oh my seems God, I like I could a, watch that for like two it, hours. It <laughs> seems like a short film, but then I. But then I thought about, like, Mad Max Fury Road and other movies that are kind of like this, like, one, Simple like, premise. one long, like, set piece. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I think this could work. You know, if there's, like, if there's not a gunshot every two minutes, I think this could work out. Um, yeah. Watch the trailer, HT. It's really good. Okay. Yeah, I think they've, they've released a couple trailers, but I think the one that the one that came out first was one that everyone was talking about. Yeah, and then I'm also excited. Um, they're adapting How to Talk to Girls at Parties, which is a Neil Gaiman novel um so we get more neil gaiman this year which is so wonderful did gaiman do a a romantic comedy type book or it's a science fiction fiction romantic comedy i've never heard of this book yeah i should read it Uh, yeah yeah. it's great you just described my favorite genre (laughs) well then you're gonna need to see how to talk to girls at parties can i can i read it can i read it anywhere is it a book it is a book it's a neil gaiman book yeah. Oh, it's gonna start Elle Fanning. Who is yeah, having and like Nicole Kidman? Yeah. Wow. She's Elle Fanning's having like her year because she's gonna be in the the Beguiled as well, With which Nicole also Kidman stars again. Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Yeah. Beguiled, not A twenty four, but also a film I cannot wait for. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I saw the trailer for the original one with Clint Eastwood. It's just ridiculous. It's so absurd. It's so absurd. <laughs> it's very like exploitation movie, but. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's and speaking of Nicole Kidman and Colin Farrell, who's in The Beguiled, they are also going to be in an A24 film this year called The Killing of a Sacred Deer, which also sounds very interesting. Um, is it a horror film? Because A24 has been killing it with horror. They have. Um, I think I think it's like a thriller, um, but it's by the guy um, who did The Lobster. Yorgos okay. Lanthimos. Yeah, and so the he has two movies coming out. He has The Killing of a, of a Sacred Deer and The Favorite. Mm. Um, the favorite's not A24, but they both sound very interesting and good. So, uh, Speaking of A24 and horror, I heard It Comes at Night uh, is going to be really good as well. That's coming out this year. Yeah, I saw a trailer for that when I saw Get Out, mm. and that trailer scared the shit out of me. So, Yeah. Oh, look, it stars Joel Edgerton. <laughs> Your <Yep>. babe! <laughs> yes. I, I, after seeing, I've been seeing more horror this year and enjoying it more than I anticipated. And I think I'm just going to like bite the bullet and watch more horror, especially if it comes from A24, just because I feel like we're having a horror renaissance right now. And I want to be, I want to witness that and just like, I, I've been having the same feelings HT because like (laughs) after like get out and then I watched it follows and the invitation, all three of which I loved. It Follows terrified me. Um, I still have, like, nightmares about It Follows, but it's still so good as a film. I think, like, I tweeted about this. I think I can say that I don't dislike horror overall, but there are, like, subsets within the genre that I still won't go near with a 10-foot pole. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have no interest in just the kind of, like, slasher films that are meant only to scare you and like Agreed. nothing more and they're meant to just gross you out and scare you like those I still have no interest in but kind of the more like quieter more thoughtful thriller horror Maybe. suspense films yeah. yeah I think those I can definitely get behind you should watch The Witch because that definitely falls under I like, have all those seen The Witch oh you have okay I didn't know mm-hmm. that okay yeah um I want to you, watch... we're both like coming out of our comfort zone <laughs> I know I want to watch uh, The Babadook next <laughs> Willoughby's like not for me <laughs> I saw my girlfriend my girlfriend and I saw Get Out yesterday and we were like that was a great movie and we really loved it but we're not going to see any of those trailers that, that they showed right before the movie <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see the trailer for the Belko experiment? We did. I did. That looked really it's good. It's like Battle, Battle Royale in a office building. It's gotten good reviews at festivals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was. it's not directed by James Gunn, but it's written by him. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it could be either really good or really bad. Because I enjoy looks, like that sort of it looks social experiment. Campy? Yeah. It looks a little little like over, over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, John C. McGinley is in it, and he looks like he's ready to like ham it up so yeah uh, it, it has a lot of like comedy actors who usually 
to comedy. So it'll be mm-hmm. a nice, I guess, subversion of that. Um, but yeah, and it's knows? got uh, John Gallagher Jr., who is in American Idiot on Broadway and The Newsroom. And he was in uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yes, he was. Another great suspenseful, quote unquote, horror movie. Yes. Um, that came out in 2016. Uh, I wouldn't really call it horror. I'd call it a thriller. Yeah, it's more thriller. It's kind of horror. It it if I think it gets categorized sometimes as horror, but I really enjoyed it. And again, yeah. kind of like pushed me on to do, to see more horror suspense type films. All right. Um, is there anything else we want to add about A24 and our excitement for its future? Just that I'm excited for its movies that mm-hmm. are coming out, um, and that Same. you can catch a lot of them on Amazon Prime right now. All right. I think that's a good way to wrap up our discussion about the Oscars, about A24's bright future galvanized by Moonlight's win, and how happy we are about Moonlight's legacy and what it has done for uh, people of color, uh, people of the LGBT, people of an LGBT, sorry, LGBT people. Um, and um, yeah, it's a, it's a good, it was a good ceremony, guys. Yeah, fun fact, my mom, after she saw that La La Land quote-unquote won, she went to bed because she didn't really like La La Land a lot, um, <laughs> and so she and so she heard the TV was still on like 10 minutes after she went to bed, and she was like, what are you still doing up? Go to bed. And I was like, oh, you gotta see this. So I rewound the, the DVR, and then I showed the part where Jordan Horowitz comes up and says, Moonlight, you won, and she was like, what?! This is insane. And so, like, it was one of those, like, moments where it's like, don't go to bed. Don't turn it off until the credits start running. Where were you when yeah. this happened? <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm going to remember exactly where I was. I was tweeting from the Millennial Falcons Twitter account going, what is happening? <laughs> what is Fun happening? Fun fact, my mom, my mom did the same thing. She turned off the TV when La Land won. And the next day, I got, like, a phone call from her. And she was like, what happened? <laughs> I texted my mom because I didn't think she was going to come back out saying, Moonlight just won. <laughs> Last fun fact, what is happening in all caps was trending on Twitter. Yes, it was. That That was amazing. (laughs) All right, let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. Anya, why don't you start us off? Well, first, I just want to say second to HT's really like last week of Get Out. I'm not going to talk about it because I feel like I'll just say the same exact thing, except it's a great movie. See it in theaters. It is not a film to watch home, like, alone. You need to see it with the whole audience. Um, but Get Out is great, so I second that. I'm going to second that, too. Third that. Third that, Third. too. I'm going to yes. fourth it, I, even though I was the first. <laughs> first it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the hand over hand over hand thing. It's like, yeah. who gets to be first? <laughs> yeah, we all, we all endorse Get Out as a movie seen in the theater. Yes. Um, so my actual really like for the week is Planet Earth 2, mm. which the third episode just aired last night on BBC America. And once again, this documentary series is incredible. It's breathtaking. Everyone's saying it's the most important TV show to be watching right now, and I couldn't agree more. It's absolutely beautiful. It's the follow-up to the 2006 I think, documentary miniseries um, done by BBC, which is basically just um, a nature and animal uh, documentary series uh, narrated by David Attenborough. And this uh, second season is split up by, like, terrain. So we've had jungles, mountains, and I forget what, islands was the first one, and the next one's going to be deserts. And it basically is just this really beautifully shot... Um, quite funny, quite touching, quite suspenseful uh, series about the animals that live in these terrains and the lives they lead. Um, you know, the first Planet Earth is probably one of the most watched documentary series of all time. Really? Yes. Have you guys seen it? Not seen it. No. I don't watch a lot uh, of docu series. We have the DVDs because I think my dad got it for Christmas one day, one year. But I've I mean, to be honest, I've had, I've had no interest of watching it. Ooh, okay, well, take that aside and watch it anyway, because Planet Earth is beautiful, and I honestly think very important. I agree. I believe that you're right. 
I just, uh, when I worked for Nat Geo for five months, I watched so much nature stuff that I'm natured out. I really can't. Like, it's going to be a long time before I even get the, get the the inspiration to watch more well, nature. you're missing out, sir. I'm, I'm sure I am, but you know what? I recycle, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, for everyone else listening to this podcast, check out Planet Earth and Planet Earth 2, which is currently airing on BBC America, and enjoy the wonders of the world and the many animals that we share it with. And it's very beautiful. So Planet Earth 2 is my really like. Okay. Um, I will go next. So I saw... I feel I kept feeling that Willoughby and I might have the same really like. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, I went to see Logan, which was a phenomenal movie. Um, it is the... Okay. I have actually not seen any of the previous... Wolverine standalone movies. I've heard you don't hit or miss. Yeah, I, I know. That's what I've heard as well. I've seen all of the X-Men films, uh, except for Apocalypse. Um, I've seen that one, too. It, to it's say, terrible. It's so bad. Yeah. I have to say, like, X-Men has always been hit or miss for me on the screen. That's the only way I've been exposed to them. I know Anya is a huge fan of the X-Men, and um, mostly through the comics, but I never really read them. They're just a lot, so... Um, most of my exposure of the X-Men and Wolverine has been through um, the movies. And X-Men Evolution, the TV series. And, and the uh, 90s. I watched the 90s X-Men cartoon series, too. I did not watch that. But um, Logan is on a level beyond any of the X-Men films I've seen. And maybe even beyond most superhero movies. I would say like it may be one of the best superhero movies I've seen. Um, I think it's up there with The Dark Knight. It's up there with The Dark Knight. It's at least in the top three. Um, It's a gorgeous, simple, stunning film that's like, has like this beautiful emotional core and really gets to the, like the root of Wolverine's like lifelong struggle with like his mortality and like his own inner demons, which literally manifest at one point in a, in a way, but I won't spoil it. Um, it's touching and like I really like it. It's a play off of the um, the comic book story Old Man Logan, which I heard is much more ridiculous um, than the actual movie is. The movie itself takes on a kind of children of men uh, on the road type. Um, it's a western like, thematic. It's a western essentially. Like it's a Lo- Logan Wolverine himself is kind of a Ronin character. He's a lone wandering, um, you know, loner and. Uh, that this film really takes that um, into perspective, and I love the way it's shot and just like the character development, and it's just such a beautiful like circular nar- narrative as well. So I just I really liked it. I recommend it completely. Yeah, I'm sure Willoughby has the same things to say. <laughs> yes, um, I'll just say that. Uh, well, specifically in the Wolverine, the 2013 movie where he goes to Japan, mm-hmm. um, one of the characters actually does call him a Ronin. And explains what that means to him. Mm-hmm. So, like your your uh, description of who he is is on point. Um, I love Ronin characters too. Despite yeah. not really liking a lot of westerns, Ronin characters have always really appealed to me. Like especially uh, Rurouni Kenshin. That was a huge um, like formative series when I was like in middle school, high school, and like that had a Ronin character. And actually, like in in Logan, there are a couple moments that had a lot of Rurouni Kenshin violence, just like. Lots of lots of slashing. It was yeah, rated R, should, by the way. So we should say this movie is very rated R. Re- the first word is the F word. I think I also want everyone to know who cannot see HT right now that she is currently like mimicking Wolverine, like stabbing people through the jaw with his claws. You're really missing out <laughs> on a great visual right now. Yeah, it's a apt reproduction of the movie. Thank you. Um, I'll say a few words. Uh, I loved Logan. It was great. Charles Xavier as a nonagenarian is amazing. Um, they let him swear in the movie. It's kind of like what I've always wanted to hear, <laughs> just him being like tired of all this shit. Um, and uh, 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 mild spoilers, but um, the girl that comes into their lives, her name is Laura, who is very similar to Wolverine, uh, is perfect she's a great actress she barely speaks in the movie but she says so much with her face um and just like i love father figure stories and it's so 
great to see, like, I mean, Logan, Wolverine has always kind of been, like, a father figure in these movies, um, and in the comic books, like, it's just kind of funny to see, like, Hugh Hugh Jackman trying to be, like, this gruff and, like, uh, not caring person, secretly care for, like, all these people Mm -hmm. in his life. Um, and there's a, it's just a great way to, to end the story of Logan and Wolverine over the past 17 years of movies and 200 years of character history throughout the movies. Because mm-hmm. I think it's also pretty incredible, like what Hugh Jackman does. Like, because yeah. I can say as someone who doesn't like Wolverine um, as a character, Hugh Jackman does a lot of really great things with him mm-hmm. uh, just to make him interesting and likable. And it's also just so different from Hugh Jackman. Yeah. It was, like, so nice and charming, and he's a musical theater guy, and he's, like, not at all, like, the gruff action hero that Wolverine is. And so, like, the fact that he embodies the role so well, but can still do, like, romantic comedies, and he's now doing The Greatest Showman on Earth. Like, he was doing Kate Leopold, which... He was doing Kate Leopold, which was directed by James Mangold, who directed this movie. um, And The Wolverine. So, like, he's, he's such a phenomenal, like, wide range of an actor mm-hmm. um and yeah like he brings he brings humanity to a character that has long been just kind of too gruff and too like gritty caricature. and hardcore yeah he's been he's been a lot of a bit of a caricature mm-hmm. and like he brought he brought him down to like round level I think. yeah He's, um, he made him and more he does human. wonderfully with the with this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anya, I know you, you said you're not a big fan of Wolverine, but I think you would like Logan a lot. Oh, I'm very excited to see Logan. I haven't seen it yet, but it's definitely the film that's next on my list to see, and I'm super pumped to see it. Yeah. Um, I mean, just because I don't like Wolverine as a character, that's also partially because I'm a Cyclops girl. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I do like Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. Yeah, and, and I know you you um, haven't been a fan of the X-Men movies from Brian Singer, so... No, not at all, so I'm very glad but, it isn't Brian Singer. But also Patrick Stewart's in this, and he's yes. the best. And okay. it's not just, it's not a glorified cameo, he's supporting actor. He He's, like, right there the entire movie. Yeah. Did and, I... of course, I really love Laura Kinney as a character. Yeah. So I'm excited that she's in it in kind of whatever iteration the movie has her. It's very similar to the comic books, I'll tell okay. you. But um, for without spoiling, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no spoilers. That was our mini millennial movie review, guys, of yeah. Logan. Uh, we won't do, be doing a review of it, but we will be talking about it later um, in the month. So look forward to that. All right. So I think that's our episode, guys. If you guys yes. have any thoughts on the Oscars or Logan or if you are part of apparently the minority that's watching Planet Earth, please come chat with us about that. And where can they do that, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Um, we're on SoundCloud, and you're, we're on iTunes and Google Play, where you can rate, review, and subscribe to us there. Um, where can they find you guys on the internet? You can find me at Anya Crittenden on Twitter. You can find me at HChanBui on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.